You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. All right, what's up, fellas? This is a special edition of the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I call them Thoughtful Rants, commercial-free. So glad to have each of you on as I wanted to go into a unique space. Uh, one thing that we typically do on the Mental Dialogue Show is we typically only touch uh, politics, if you will, once or two times a year. And so I really wanted to get heavy into the Russian-Ukraine conflict, if you will, which is a little outside of our scope. So when I do these type of shows, I like to do them kind of, again, commercial-free, raw and uncut, so we can say the things that, you know, the media doesn't hear. So glad to have all of you on. I'm looking for Brother Shelly Winters, who most of my audience is pretty familiar with, uh, but we're just going to have a candid conversation about what's going on um, and introduce everybody that's here already, just so y'all know we got Tennyson on, um, calling out of Atlanta, Emil, I think you're calling out of close to the D.C. area, and I got my man Jack Punty. Um, so thank y'all all for just kind of providing a little bit of time. We're going to free flow this thing, um, get through as much as we can. If any of you need to leave at any point, um, please, you know, feel free. Again, just kind of a random discussion. But the difference, in my opinion, and why I wanted to do this in particular, is because we all know that um, anytime that you, in a sense, follow the media on really any subject matter, there's always political correctness and things of that nature that have to apply to how the media approaches things. And we pride ourselves here at Mental Dialogue as kind of getting away from what the mainstream mainstream media is discussing, nor do we have those parameters. So it's just really an opportunity for anybody that gets the opportunity to hear this, to get a candid view for people with various perspectives. And to get this thing started, you know, like I said, again, matter of fact, y'all just say hello to each other, and we're going to get started with Tennyson, who wrote this amazing article on this conflict, just to give a baseline and once he gives that baseline, we'll just open it up for open discussion. But if you will, um, Jack, say hello to everybody. Tennyson, say hello to everybody. How you doing? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, good. Hello to everyone. Hi, all. Good to talk to you. No, absolutely. So, yeah, let's go ahead and just get a baseline so that um, in the baseline, again, just this amazing article. I forgot which uh, website you typically write to, Tennessee, so you can kind of share that information and, you know, let people know how they can follow your writing, if you will. Uh, but you just did a real nice synopsis of the conflict, I think, for anybody who's not informed, if you will. It looks like we might have Shelly jumping on here as well. Um, but you can go ahead and continue um, just giving the baseline. As he gives this baseline for everybody listening, if there's anything that y'all want to add or take away, let him finish kind of giving us this baseline, and then y'all can kind of take away at that point. But if you will, Tennyson, just kind of give us that same synopsis you wrote on that on that beautiful article, just letting everybody know why we're here today or why did this conflict even begin, if you will. Go ahead. Thanks a lot, brother. Okay. I appreciate it, Montoya, and thanks again to everyone. Uh, just uh, and to answer your question, the the, the public where, where the article is published is medium, and so I, you know, we we know that history repeats itself, and I wanted to kind of give the general public a synap of the rich history, the Russian history, and for you know because we, I know it was going to be a lot of discussion surrounding Russia and Ukraine, but specifically Russia, and so it's best when we understand 
the history, it is easy for us to follow the conversation and also kind of shuffle through the misinformation. And so I started pretty much at the Russian Revolution at 1917, uh, resulting from the dismantling of the Russian Tsar, which is just a monarch. And it's, that was the opening door that led to the, um, the formation in 1922 with the Soviet Union. And its, uh, its first leader was uh, uh, Vladimir Lenin. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of familiar with uh, Lenin as a very important leader in Russia. But after Lenin, we had Joseph Stalin. And Stalin was one of those leaders that he did not play. And as a result, you know, the government was very strict. And he, if anyone protested or did not like his policies, he literally, he was one of the father of the labor camp called Gulag as a punishment, and people suffered immensely. And a matter of fact, if you really go into the history of uh, Stalin, you can see Stalin did some really bad stuff, uh, including Ukraine. Anyway, not to stay on that along that line. And as a result of the Soviet Union was formed with uh, – 15 republics, and, you know, Europe became very nervous because the Soviet Union was very impressive, it was very powerful, and as a result, the Europeans formed the North Atlantic Treaty, and that treaty was, you know, 12, uh, it was 12 members, and the United States was one of the founding members. And it was a military alliance, and again, that is, you know, for short, NATO. And as a result, that got started in 1949. Well, you know, there was a counter for what NATO had, because now you have the Soviet Union getting very nervous about NATO with these 12 countries forming NATO. So they, they also form what you call the Warsaw Treaty Organization, which is uh, as a lot of people in the media would call Warsaw Pact. And that was formed in 1955. And a lot of the Warsaw Pact, a lot of countries on the Warsaw Pact, pretty much, you know, we're looking at like Czech Republic, Poland, Hungary, and things like that, those, those, those countries. And the, so it, it also was a, a very popular and very popular, um, uh, uh, powerful organization. And that organization eventually dismantled uh, after this, the, the collapse of the, the Soviet Union in 1991. But before the Soviet Union collapsed, its uh, leader, Mikhail Kovachev, uh, pretty much, you know, he tried his best to reform the Soviet Union because there is a period of a stagnation that took place. And as a result, uh, it, he won the... Nobel Peace Prize, because as a lot of people were aware that we had a Cold War, and that was between Russia and Germany, and that could have really started a nuclear war. But as a result of cool hands taken, uh, Gorbachev was very, uh, pro um, I would say, pragmatic, and as a result, <coughs> the unfortunate for the Soviet Union, it collapsed in 1991. And... A lot of people, and include myself, speculating that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, let me do this real quick. Can I speak without the opinions and just get us to 
boom, those are the breakdowns. Those are key points. And then this is where Ukraine comes in. So I just wanted to kind of get just the synopsis without the opinions, if you will, so we can get into the dialogue. So I'm just kind of trying to speed you up if you don't mind. Um, so after it breaks down, um, how does Ukraine get to this space? If that, give us that part, if you don't mind, because all of this is well written in your article. So I'm just trying to kind of speed you to those key points. Fair enough. Well, what happened, Ukraine was one of the 15 republics. And once the Soviet Union dismantled, uh, collapsed, I should say, Ukraine in 1991 became an independent country. And so there were several other uh, countries that were part of uh, the Soviet Union. There were three countries that were part of the Soviet Union that became uh, members of NATO because NATO is still in operation uh, even though it was formed in 1949. It's a very strong uh, military alliance that's still in operation to this day. So Ukraine has always wanted to, at one point, wanted to join NATO and came close to joining NATO. But as a result, uh, NATO has a policy that no country, it doesn't allow any country to join if there is an ongoing conflict that's taking place. So that's where Ukraine come in right now. They are the border with Russia, and as a result of that, they, fought, they, they, they always see themselves more aligned with the, with the Europe, Europeans, so to speak, than with Russia. And I got to be careful how I say that because Russia is a country that's in both Europe and Asia. So it could be, yeah. it's, it's a Euro-Asia country. And so, no, yeah, go ahead. Let me, let me jump in. Let me jump in right there because, again, that's the part that I wanted to get to. So just understanding the history um, of NATO, the Warsaw Pact, and then to the point where the issue with Ukraine wanting to join NATO, again, which you captured beautifully in your article, the issue is that border conflict. I think to a degree most people does, don't have – I didn't have that understanding until I read your article, so I wanted that clarity. I'm going to have Jack and Shelly jump in right behind you just to clarify anything else I need, that y'all think we need to have to the baseline, and then we're just going to open up to to a dialogue. So, Jack, is there anything you want to add to just to the baseline understanding? I, 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 think there, I think there's a pretty big misunderstanding that Ukraine is one country. It's one country, but it's actually split in terms of actual ethnic Russians who adhere to an Orthodox religion and Ukrainians. So half of that country really wants to be annexed by Russia. Um, the other half of the country doesn't. And that's something that everybody really misses in this entire thing, is that Ukraine is not just one country in solidarity is really made up of Ukrainians and, and ethnic Russians who still adhere to Russian religious beliefs and, you know, Russian solidarity. So there, there's a big difference right there. Yeah, sounds good. Shelly, anything that you want to add? Again, this is just trying to give anybody listening a baseline of how we got here before we get into the nuances of this conversation. Shelly, you still there? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, brought, I had to bring. I muted you real quick. Got some background noise. Let me bring you back live. All right, go ahead, Shelly. Any um, yeah. thing you want to add to the baseline? Go ahead, brother. You live. Uh, no, no. I think I think what uh, Jack um, alluded to is that this is not, um, you know, this country, uh, Ukraine, um, you know, and, and uh, it's not just a unified 
country. Um, and I would I would add to what Jack said by saying many of those Eastern European countries that used to be part of the Soviet bloc, um, they, they, they're not, you know, they were countries that split off, but they're not really all unified in all of their uh, ideology or nationalist beliefs and things like that, um, which is why you have which is why you have some countries surrounding Ukraine who are pro-Russia, but they're not doing anything because they are pro-Russia in, in title only. Um, and Belarus comes to mind in that aspect. Um, so um, it, it's, it's a much more complicated like – the point I guess I'm making is, as to Jack's point, it's a much more complicated situation than simply listing the name of a country and where that country may align itself. Um, it's much more complicated than that. Yep, absolutely. Neil, any any add-ons, and then we're going to just jump hot and heavy into the nuance of this discussion. No, I I agree that Ukraine is not monolithic. It does have many nuances, and those nuances predate the Tsarist Revolution. Those nuances go back uh, several hundred years, and that's something that we need to consider as part of this, that there's a lot of um, pre-existing uh, uh Conflict, uh, roots to the conflict before NATO, before the Warsaw Pact, before the Bolshevik Revolution, before a lot of what we call Europe was Europe as we know it. Once we get there, we can really understand how something like this conflict has uh, come about. Now, sounds good. So to um, Tennis's point, again, this is some of this came out of his article. So um, if I sound like I know what I'm talking about, I'm going to thank Tennyson for that. Um, but I would like to highlight, and I think we could just start here, um, Tennyson opened that article just saying I wanted to give people more history context to how we got here today. And so one thing that you were highlighting in that article, Tennyson, was just the idea that some of these acts seem making similar to various other points in history, uh, whether it be, in a sense, the start of World War II, if you will, um, when you kind of equated some of Russia's activity. Again, you're just using that as an analogy. I don't think you're necessarily saying it was direct, but just to give people context, maybe it's similar to how, you know, if you will, Germany moved in on to Poland and people kind of stood it back. And then obviously Germany went further. And you like, and you're kind of viewing the situation as there are possibly some similarities. For example, Russia annexed the black, um, annexed, um, um, what is the Black Sea Peninsula uh, of, of Crimea in 2014. And it was kind of um, some restrictions were put on Russia for making that move, if you will. And now with this move into Ukraine, we're hearing a bunch of, in a sense, ideas of how much we're going to economically push against Russia. But the reason we haven't necessarily entered into the conflict is because of what you already alluded to. Ukraine isn't a NATO member because one of the things you highlighted in the NATO compact is the Article 5. member of NATO is deemed an attack on all. And so what you highlighted in the article is in the event that Russia does not have Ukraine, he could, he could easily go into another country, and now U.S. will have to act more likely militarily if one of those countries is, in fact, a NATO member, whereas Ukraine, for the reasons you've already mentioned, hasn't been able to be one. So, again, I think I'm helping them giving a lot of context. Um, but with that said, any thoughts on anybody listening about the potential of if Russia moves beyond Ukraine, what this means for NATO members. I'll let anybody that wants to jump in on that jump in first. 
I don't think it was ever Russia's intention to move beyond Ukraine. This, this has nothing to do with Russia looking for world domination at all. I, I think it does. And, 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 and I will say this. I want, to, I want to clarify something that was said earlier. Um, it is true that Russia is not, uh, that Ukraine is not a monolithic country. However, with that conversation, I think we give the impression that Russia, that Ukraine is, it was involved in a civil war. Now, there, I will say that there is about one third of the population of Ukrainians speak Russian. Yes. But, Let's be clear now. The only two regions, and this was there, there was uh, in the uh, Luna, the, well, they call it the, the Lunas uh, and Donetsk uh, area, the Don, Don, uh, uh, Don, Donbass area. That's where you had some infighting, where you have, and these were Russian Basque separatists that were fighting in that, in that region. And so that was not even a big so-called conflict until Russia got involved to back those separatists to try to create some uh, internal conflict within Ukraine. And so, yes, without a doubt, I think the reason why Russia went and invade Ukraine is a simple fact when they went into Crimea and annexed Crimea, they were, they did not really, the West did not really come down hard on Russia. There was just a few sanctions and that was one of those dress rehearsals for Russia. They're like, okay, there's not much thing happened here. Okay, we're going to go go back and try to get Ukraine. And that's where we are right now. I'm going to go back to Jack. Jack, I had to kind of mute you a little bit just to kind of cut down on the noise. I'm going to bring you back in. Um, and I'll just throw this out again just from, um, just from a perspective and a viewpoint. For a number of years, if you will, Jack, I think I've – understood certain moves over the last five to seven years. Now, I don't pay close attention as, you, as all of you do. That's why I have y'all here. But in my minimal paying attention, I feel like I've um, at least vaguely been hearing about, in a sense, um, Putin to a degree wanting to restore some remnants of of the USR, not necessarily returning that all the way to its full glory. But I did take some of uh, some of the things that's happened over the last five or seven years as that was a potential um, goal of his. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just letting you know I have at least observed that in my opinion. Well, go ahead, uh, if you will, Jack. Why I, you- I, I, I think it's extraordinarily difficult to extract information in the current climate about anything, not okay. just Ukraine and Russia, about anything, because we're dealing with political zealots, whether it's on the left or it's on the right. Right. I mean, both sides are extreme zealots. And the the difference being is that the media is very, very controlled by a liberal platform. And and that's fine. Um, For instance, you know, and and I'm not defending Russia. I'm not defending Putin. But all of a sudden, Zelensky has been given the Fauci 2.0 game plan of elevating him from a normal human being to a demigod. Um, if anybody thinks that Ukraine is, hasn't been a dirty money laundering country and Zelensky hasn't gotten his hands in that, they're out of their minds. Now, that doesn't mean Putin has any right to invade the country, but it's just this entire perpetuation of a myth 
is what's gathered this world into such a frenzy. Um, three months ago, people didn't even know how to spell Ukraine, and today they have flags out in front of their houses, which is just ridiculous. Um, even if you had a conversation with them and said, well, you know, the Ukrainian nationalists thought the Nazis were liberators from the Soviet oppression, so there's still a big Nazi undercurrent in Ukraine, they would just scream at you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Zelensky's got a $45 million house in Florida. Um, that's fact. That's not supposition or rumor. All of these people make tremendous money in these countries. Um, you know, Putin steals from his people. Zelensky steals from his people. Where are you going to find the truth? It's hard to find the truth. Um, what I listen to from Russia, and you can call it propaganda, is the same propaganda you listen to from Ukraine. So where's the reality? I mean, you've got one hand, everybody's saying, well, you know, Putin wants to take over the world and restore the Soviet Union. It's his grand dream. Maybe so. Yet the other hand saying, Putin's been warning NATO and everybody else, don't box mm. me in. Don't mm. put into ballistic missiles near my, near my borders. Mm. Don't put biolabs near my borders. Mm. And what we've got is really a Cuban missile crisis. But nobody wants to see that because we've elevated Zelensky into Fauci 2.0, and now he's a demigod. I mean, when it gets to the point that they put out videos of him and his wife playing acoustic guitar, singing Endless Love, you have to question what's really going on in the media playbook. Um, does Putin want to restore Soviet Union? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Is Putin just saying, why are you messing with my border? You're boxing me in? Maybe. No, that's, no, I love, yeah, I love that extreme, and I think it's very fair that the dialogue should be discussed from all of those viewpoints because you're right. The media play is going to give you one side of it. So I definitely appreciate that context. Shelly, love to hear your thoughts. Then I'm going to go to Emil, just, you know, your thoughts again. And let me highlight this, Shelly. You can highlight it as well. Um, let people know, you know, that, hey, you do this every day for a living. So if you want to highlight that before you do your thoughts, please do. Shelly, did I lose you? I'm here. Maybe you got you it again. Yeah, we can hear you now, brother. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I, um, I, when I stop talking, um, um, I'm on toilet. I can mute my own phone, so that way, you know what I mean. You don't have to do it. Yeah, yeah, no. I, mean, uh, I figured that's but, what you did. Yeah, I knew that's what happened. Yeah. No problem. So, so, um, so, so basically, it, it's basically if you listen to the media, as Jack said, it, it's 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 stupid, right? So just look at it from natural a natural leadership perspective. If you surround me with enemies, I'm going to defend myself. Um, we allow, and I'll use this analogy, Israel is allowed to defend itself because it's surrounded by enemies, and they are called heroes. Russia is, is surrounded by enemies, and when they try and say, yo, I don't want this to continue, I'm going to go into this country and take it over, he's, he's made the terrorist. Now, I, again, I'm no communist. Please don't call me one. I'm no Putin apologist or anything else. But I do understand a man's natural reaction to being surrounded by his enemies because I see it all the time in another context where those people are called uh, a, a great people, not saying that they're not. Um, but I see the difference in calling Russians terrorists and calling um, Palestinians terrorists. 
Um, so, so, I, and I, and, and I'm only making the equation on from the simple fact of humans' natural reaction mm-hmm. to defend themselves and their land when surrounded by enemies. Um, China, Taiwan is an independent country or trying to be an independent country. It's democratically led. Why would China allow an island sitting right off its coast primarily to be aligned with the people that don't like China? So they're going to take it over. It's, an, it's, it's only natural. Now, I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying right. they're wrong. I'm just saying right. the, the, the reaction of why people do the things they do. And it's to the point of the media, um, instead of just reporting things like this, they, like Jack said very eloquently, I'm going to steal that from my show on tomorrow, is, is this idea that putting little kids on TV and, and having them perform at a concert hall singing the Ukrainian national anthem as a four-year-old. I mean, this is all manipulation, and it's done all constantly. It's done all the time. Um, it's manipulation, and the question that we have to ask as regular people is, what is the end game of the manipulation? Why are you manipulating me to choose a side in a conflict that I really have no, uh, I really have no opinion on? Why are you forcing me to pick a side? Because I, I can only suspect in a wag-the-dog fashion you're asking me to pick a side because eventually you are going to take up arms against Russia in a more international perspective, and you need that support of our side versus their side. You know what it is, Shelley? The swarm keeps shifting, right? Because the same swarm who is, yay, oh, my God, Ukraine, but they're not going to talk about ethnic Russians in eastern Ukraine being killed by the Azov Battalion for years. But yet right, Ukraine years. is the same situation as vax versus anti-vax. That was our last political social argument, right? So it's just a shifting of a swarm of bees led by the media to create unbelievable division across the world of, you know, I hate to use conservative and liberal, but that's the only way we could really slice it. Right? It's like, this is the side you must be on. And if you're not, I mean, just look at, you know how many times I've been shadow banned on Facebook or Twitter? It's unbelievable. I mean, I mean, they're calling, they're calling, they're calling, you know, um, uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, a purveyor of Russian propaganda. And, and what's fascinating about that, whether you like Tucker Carlson or not, just lift your opinion of him for or against out of it for one second, right? And consider this, that you would call a guy on Fox News a purveyor of Russian propaganda, yet the people calling him a purveyor of Russian propaganda has done nothing but spread U.S. hegemonic and corporate propaganda for the last 20 years. <laughs> so it's, it's just we, we've got to understand we're impacted by all of this, and we always, I've come to the conclusion in my old age that I've always got to ask, why? Why are you right. pushing me towards this particular opinion? And that really becomes the real fundamental question that I would tell um, this audience that's listening now, Montoya's audience, which is a very smart audience. Always ask why. Why are we being pushed to believe a certain thing? And I think if you ask that question all the time, you will come closer to getting the truth of what's going on than you will just taking everybody's opinion and trying to figure out on your, on your own. 
Yeah, because there is an, there's an end game to everything. Yeah, yeah, let me jump Emil in here, if you will. And I just wanted to highlight an, an extension. Y'all may have seen this. But I, I respect, again, like you said, the propaganda of what the media is doing. And for everybody that's listening, again, just for clarity points, we're just pointing out actually what's happening right now. Now, there may be some disagreement amongst us, and we'll do that. But right now, if you're listening clearly, you're not hearing either. Right now, you haven't heard on a, on a side as much as it's giving fair assessment. And it's definitely an issue when, I don't know if y'all heard this, but Sean Penn, I think just last night, is calling for a boycott of the Oscars if Zelensky is not allowed to speak at the American Oscars. Like, that's Which a is unbelievable. that makes you go, why? Emil, I know you've been taking this all day. Emil has an extension. I apologize to the brother you're getting ready to go to. Yeah, I just want to add, not only is Zelensky not allowed to speak, but they're not allowed to criticize Russia either. Wow. Wow. Okay, but Emil, definitely jump in right here, brother. And let me highlight this about Emil. Um History, um, military background, um, Air Force. I don't want to go too far into your background further than you want to go. Uh, but you've always um, you, you've been in policy making, if you will, and people have various roles in the military. But you have some some background in policy making. Just to highlight that, um, you know, not to, um, you know, to, and get, you know, put you out there, if you will, brother. But your thoughts as you listen to what you've heard so far. So uh, first of all. Both Jack and Shelly are right. Propaganda is thick, and propaganda is part of war making. It has been for as long as wars have been fought, uh, trying to convince the people who fund the warriors to fund the warriors. Whether it's a uh, Ukrainian-Russian war, or it's something much more local, right? And one of the biggest problems that we're going to have to deal with in this country is that if we if we call out a nation for its unmitigated or un, un, um, unmo- unmotivated aggression against its neighbor or against another nation, then we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask the same question because we've done that. And it's not just Iraq in 2003, but there's many examples in our nation where diplomacy could have worked had it been given an opportunity, but it did not. And I look at the Russian-Ukrainian conflict with the same lens. Could diplomacy have done something or could it have not? We don't know because diplomacy was never pushed to its limit before war was started. And now we have a different conversation altogether, which is how do we interpret the events of the day? What Jack talked about, whether it's conservative or liberal, that's actually irrelevant to me. There are the haves and the have-nots. The haves are the people who are in control of the resources of this world, and they're deciding how to pursue certain goals. Those goals then trickle down to whatever channel is necessary to pursue those goals, and those goals get accomplished, and it doesn't matter if it's a more conservative, more liberal. What matters is that the people who control resources achieve the goals that they set out to achieve, and the people who are not in control of resources are the ones who are executing on those goals, whether they know it or not. Now we have a different conversation that we can contextualize Russia and Ukraine in, and that is who benefits from this war and why do they benefit? Because now we're not talking about Putin by himself in a vacuum. We're not talking about Ukraine by itself in a vacuum. We're not even talking about ethnic Russians or ethnic Ukrainians. What we're talking about is who are the people who benefit from this uh, conflict, and why are they benefiting? Because 
this conflict is the result of someone setting a goal and then working to achieve it. We, we may not necessarily know what that goal is, but we can take a look at events and through the lens of our ability to interpret events, understand that someone is benefiting, and now we can ask the question, who and why? Which, you know, your brilliant assessment, which, by the way, is brilliant, and I have this weird thought in the back of my mind, which I have no substance that I could really base it on, but is Putin really fighting against globalization, and that's what the story is here? I don't know, but it feels like that might have some play in it. I mean, let, let, me, let me jump in and say this. Uh, I, I will agree with you guys when you say the truth is hard to come by. That is, that is very true. And I also will agree that a lot of people are flying the Ukrainian flag and have no idea even where Ukraine is. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but, and, and I also would agree that the Oscar, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely against what is being said if, you know, Zelensky don't get to speak at the Oscar um, you know, they're going to be boycotts and stuff like that. That's, you know, that doesn't even make any sense to me. But I, I, I disagree when you guys said diplomacy was not a force out there. I mean, <laughs> I mean Russia annexed Crimea in 2014. They have been trying for the longest. And even before, even before the war started, we know for a fact that there have been several we had the French went to see Putin. We had the German went to see Putin. We had everybody. We had even the Americans try to get Putin to back out when he was on the border and lied about it. And I have to give the intelligent community in America credit because they were 100% correct when they said, when they were given day-by-day assessment of what the Russians were about to do. But I will say this, and, and this is one thing we haven't talked about, Montoya, and I need to give this background because this may help to kind of steer the conversation in where it needs to go. We had, um, before Russia annexed Crimea, in 2014, there was a, a, a Ukrainian president, Viktor Yanukovych, and he was heavily, he was a corrupt uh, Ukrainian he had an opportunity, and this is what happened. There was an opportunity to sign a deal with the EU, a trade deal, and he rejected it. And he went straight to the Russians, he went straight to Putin, because he was nothing more than a puppet. And the Ukrainian was so upset with him, he ended up having to resign in shame. And he went to live in Russia. And that's how bad that is. And that was the, the reason why we have a, uh, a Zelensky at this moment. It was only because of all that corruption that took place and how this guy, uh, he got elected. Now, understand this now. And this is where it doesn't make any sense where they keep saying, oh, you know, the Russians are trying to get rid of Nazi. You know, Zelensky is a, is a Jew. So let's not go there with that. But I will say that if we understand that process, that's what's happening, that this guy was elected with 73% of the Ukrainians. So this wasn't, uh, uh, he wasn't a puppet of the U.S., Zelensky, as a lot of, of some of our uh, friends on the line would like to, the, the, the listeners to believe. 
Anybody can jump in. Let me say this real quick before y'all jump in, though. Let me say this. Um, I want to ask just a quick question of you, Tennyson. Thank you for that. Even more details. Um, so, again, great context. So, what do you think of just the original idea that Jack and Shelly kind of backed them up on? The idea of that even the moves that you're talking about, like you said, um, even, you know, Russia being on the borders, even though they were trying to hide it, if you will. So while those all may be realities, um, how do you feel about that there's still the possibility that for them, kind of as, as Shelly said, it's natural for, in a sense, a leader or a man to respond to defending themselves. And so, it, you know, the word defense while attacking the country probably doesn't equate for most people, but the reality is, Again, not wanting Ukraine to go to NATO at all costs because, again, it affects its borders. Taking the Taiwan, taking Ukraine and Russia is really a defensive move. So even with all those things being done and Putin even lying about it, what do you think of the idea that it still be done really just to protect their country, their way of life, even though it's played out with some dishonesty and corrupt people and all those type of things, what do you think about that still being the possibility for the why? And I'm not saying it is. I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I would agree with the gentleman when they said that if Ukraine was an aggressor, right, or any other border countries like Poland or Hungary or, or, or Romania or any of those countries or Moldova, I, I, would, I would agree but at no time, at no point, has any country ever did anything to Russia to, to cause Russia to feel that way. And remember now, Russia oh, let me, was... Let me say this real Russia quick. Let me, real quick. Let me say this. Sorry to cut you off. Let me say this real quick. So what happens no, is by putting, them around the, yep, so by putting them around the border, but you have, it, it, quote, unquote, Russia's enemies to include us, if you will, if, if, at least for the sake of this conversation. Obviously, we do things with Russia, too. But for the sake of this, con- this, this conversation, the NATO alliance, alliance puts the labs close, puts the, um, the different things on the border. So much easier to do if that's your alliance. If I'm Russia, I would never want Ukraine to fall into that position because how do we know NATO doesn't put those labs in Ukraine. So while you're not aggressive from the standpoint of trying to go into Russia, so you're right that none of them have done that, but, but we're talking about politics and conflicts. And so putting the labs are forms of aggression. And, and I, as a country, I can see how that will be received as such. So I'm, I'm just kind of going nuanced before we say they've never been aggressive. From a political country standpoint, those are acts of aggression. If to, to, that a country could receive as such. So I just wanted to kind of, before you finish your thoughts, challenge you a little bit to kind of have you put it in that context. And um, go ahead and finish your thoughts. Well, you know, again, it goes back to this one, Montoya. Remember now, there are, there are a lot of, there are, <laughs> we, we, we have three countries, Latvia, uh, uh, Lithuania, and, and um, uh, Estonia, that used to be a part of the the original Soviet republics. Hey, mm-hmm. they join NATO if Russia thinks they're being, you know, if Russia thinks they, they, they're, 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 they're scared of what NATO may do, why don't they join NATO? <laughs> they have that option. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it does sound ridiculous with this conversation, but what I'm saying is that you have other countries that were under your mm-hmm. leadership no, as part of NATO, and they're 
totally okay with NATO, and they're happy being in NATO. Um, I want to mail it down. Go ahead, go ahead, Jack. I'm sorry, go ahead. Please jump in. Yeah, I mean, you you don't think that withdrawing from the anti-ballistic missiles treaty has anything to do with this? Because I think that's what really started it all. I think that... I'm sorry, uh, withdrawing from the anti-ballistic missile treaty is probably what started this off. That's the way no, I that, see it. That, that was, uh, it, uh, unless I'm misunderstanding what you, uh, unless I'm misunderstanding, my understanding was Trump that withdrew from it. I, I'm and not so, saying who so, it was. I don't care. You know, boy, yeah. It doesn't matter who did it. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that's probably what started it all. No, you know, we, no, we, we haven't learned a lesson of the listen. We haven't learned a lesson of the Cuban Missile Crisis. There's no question about that. I think what Putin's basically saying is, stop boxing me in. You've already pulled away from some treaties that were in place. You've got anti-ballistic missiles all near my border. You've got bio labs near my border. Um, I think that Montoya and Shelley are correct. They are absolutely signs of aggression. I live in New Jersey. And if Pennsylvania decides to put anti-ballistic missiles on the border, and if they decide to put biolabs on the border, I would absolutely take that as a sign of aggression, even without territorial expansion. So, you know, once we kind of pulled out from the anti-ballistic missile treaty, that started to set the stage for expansion. And I think that, you know, Putin was starting to become very, very boxed in. Um, That's what I think is going on. And, and, and I who is that? Is that a mail? Because I want a mail to jump in right here. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of things that that you know that grate on me a little bit in in any discussion about this. One of them is that the United States and the former Soviet Union and the and the then Soviet Union have had a very rocky, tumultuous relationship when it came to um, uh, mutually assured destruction and everything that follows from that. We did SALT-1, we did SALT-2, we did START-1, START-2, we did the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty, we did the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty. We have been down this road before about tit for tat, who's broken what treaty. We've broken the treaty many times, they've broken the treaty many times. We pulled out of the open skies, which would allow us to view their stuff, and they, they would allow them to view our stuff in a very non-combative way. We're doing it all the time to one another. There's no one side of this that is responsible for who broke what first because we've been, we've been playing these spy games for the last six decades, it, you know, since about the mid-50s. So it would be seven decades that just about. But there's more to the story. You have to rem- I remember that um, Putin is a former KGB officer. His worldview is shaped by his training, just like my worldview is shaped by my training coming up in the military during the Cold War. Part of the problem is that there are some very old thinkers on both sides of the equation who are stuck in the Cold War. Let's be very clear. The Cold War is not over. And as long as we have thinkers, leaders like Joe Biden, like Vladimir Putin, who are stuck in the Cold War, who do not trust that economics or some other form of non-aggressive, non-aggressive um, interaction will result in a healthier form of society for both sides, we're going to stay here for the next seven decades. It's not that hard to understand when you look at it through that lens. You have people who are steeped in the Cold War, who are so used to a bipolar world 
that when the United States became, excuse me, became the sole superpower in the context of that former bipolar world, that they needed to produce another um, uh, uh, pole against what the United Enemy States has become. Right. So there's this, there's this, so there's this tit for tat. There's this ongoing back and forth about who started what. And I agree. We we pulled out of the ABM treaty, but let's go back before that because the Soviet Union or the, excuse me, Russia was developing weapons that could have defeated an anti-ballistic missile. Why is that? Because in 1983, when President Reagan said we're going to do the Strategic Defense Initiative, also known as Star Wars, that broke the ABM treaty. You want to go back before that in the early mm-hmm. 80s and then the late 70s, there was another. Uh, start or stop when it was anti-ballistic missile treaty was potentially violated in the late 70s by the Soviet Union. It, we go back and forth with this all the time. I'm not saying that's oh, right or yeah. wrong, but I'm saying that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But now when we now, go like up to oh, where we are oh, today in 2022, we can have a different discussion. And the discussion is, how do we produce a society that can get past these old animosities? Because right now, we're not getting past we're discussing them as if we are still in that bipolar world, and Putin is still thinking, in my opinion, like a KGB-trained uh, individual who says, if I do not have this buffer zone, I do not feel safe. I'm be interested in hearing Shelley's thoughts on hearing this info. Yeah, um, I want to go back to uh, two things. Something um, uh, the brother said um, that wrote the article in media and medium. Um, I apologize. Um, I, I catch the accent. I believe it's Jamaican. Uh, I believe it's Jamaican. Welcome, my brother. Yep, um, uh, huh? Can you, you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you good. His can you hear me? Tennyson, and you're right. Oh. Yep, you can, we can hear you. Yeah, you, I said you're right. His okay. name is Tennyson. Uh, He's absolutely, absolutely from Jamaica. So, not a, you, how you, you yeah, yes, sir. So, my, yeah, my, 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 my Jamaican brother, uh, nice to meet you. Um, but, but, but I want to go back to something you said, that Zelensky is not a puppet of the U.S. In, in, in the aspect of being an actually placed there puppet, I would agree. But in the actuality of siding with one side versus the guy on your border, he is, he is definitely a, a, Europe, I mean, a, a U.S. ally. Um, and I, I go back to, if you go back to... The way um, when he got elected, he got elected on an anti-corruption platform because Ukraine is corrupt. I mean, much like every country is corrupt. Um, and, and so um, when he got elected, he tried to fight corruption, but he got bought in. He got paid, you know, not paid off, but he, he, he bought into it. Like Jack said, he has a $45 million mansion in Florida. Um, so so the, the, the corruption goes deep. But I want people to pay close attention to what side he's on. Is as soon as he got elected, one of the first things he did was cover down um, um, during the Biden administration and and the prosecutor and and everything going on with with Trump and Ukraine. Uh, so so to say, you know, that he's not a U.S. puppet. I, I, I oh yes, not in the context that the U.S. funded him and pushed him to be elected. But he is siding with the U.S. because his natural enemy is the person on his border, which would be Putin and Russia, as we're seeing played out now. Um, to the point of what kind of con- to the point of what kind of context this conversation should be in. Yes, that is the ideal we li- world we should live in. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter, in my humble opinion, is that when we Talk about the three words, history repeats itself. 
history doesn't necessarily repeat itself. It's a very simplistic way of making a statement about mankind's true nature. It's about mankind's true nature, and, and, and that is really mankind's true nature is to expand, take over, and grow. And so that's why history repeats itself. So you're hard-pressed to have these conversations without bringing up the fact that it's not history that repeats itself. It's mankind's nature, which is to expand, which is a takeover, which is a quest, an insatiable, insatiable quest for, um, for power, greed, and, and, and resources. And so I think that when you, we see it as such, um, that is what's really going on here. Um, and, and that's never going to end um, because that is not man's nature. Man's nature is not to live kindly amongst each other in peace, um, unfortunately. So that being said, what do we do next? And, again, I go back to that simple question, why are you pushing me to believe a certain – and why are you uh, 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 convincing me to believe and, understand, and to follow a certain – a certain um, uh, mindset or opinion, um, and that's what concerns me. Um, Biden has already made a flub when he said, talking to the U.S. troops, he said, when you guys are in Ukraine. Um, yesterday he clearly articulated a position saying, why is Putin still in power? Um, clearly articu- right, clearly articulating a position that your people should, take, should have taken you out by now. Um, and when you have, when you make those statements as a leader of the free world, you can't chalk it up to flubs. Uh, and when the White House has to back uh, back away from it and clarify, and I'm doing air quotes right now, that is truly dangerous stuff. So you only have to think. You've already called the man a madman, calling Putin. You said he's paranoid. He's he's uh was uh they talking about his psychological profile. They're saying he's surrounded by enemies, his generals, he's taking out generals. Then the President of the United States makes those comments about U.S. troops being in Ukraine and why is the guy still alive. Well, then his natural reaction, whatever he does next, I'm not blaming the President at all. I'm just saying simply watch and ask why. Why are we here now? And I believe we're here now because there's a group of powerful people in this country and around the world who wants to see war with Russia um, in some way, shape, or form. And, and that's, because that, that's that feeds part. into globalization. And I think right. one of the most important quotes or concepts in this conversation was saying that Putin's ex-KGB and he's in that mindset, and Biden's an old Cold War guy and he's in that mindset. So you've got you know two guys who don't really know what they're messing with. Um, yeah, you know, Biden doesn't think anything through. Um, you know, for instance, I don't know if you guys realize this, but, you know, we've got the New York pension funds. This is just New York only. The New York pension funds, which are the teachers, the police, the firemen, have $300 million. <laughs> they can't get out of Russia, uh, invest it in the Russian stock market, <clears throat> because when we froze their bank accounts, Russia said, well, you can't sell our stocks. So now you've got the teacher's retirement system, the New York City Police Department, all the funds, $300 million in pension funds locked in Russia. You think maybe you wanted to divest them before we put on sanctions? I mean, you know, there's some crazy stuff going on that doesn't feel thought through on either side. I think Putin completely underestimated 
the world's reaction to this. I think he thought it would just be another, you know, Donbass Crimea situation. Oh, that's not nice what they're doing. I think he underestimated the swarm hitting it. And, you know, people who can't look at a map putting up Ukrainian flags in their front yard. He he underestimated that. And I think that Biden is underestimating the kind of economic fallout that could happen, um, which can crush a country. Because the minute China jumps on board, and believe me, China's been trying to do this for the past 25 years economically. Um, If China jumps in on this, which they will, um, and India jumps on board, which they will, we could be in a really bad economical situation real quick. Because the petrodollar is going to get wiped if this continues. And if that's the case, then the real winner is China. China is not going to do that. China has too much to lose. Yes, I agree that China wants to be the world's uh, number one economy, but China has too much to lose. And, and, and you are absolutely right that Putin underestimated how unified the world was going to be because, you know, once he did crime, uh, Crimea, he didn't realize this was going to be so bad. Because it's Putin a, didn't realize China. that we are under media-controlled lemmings that swarm from one cause to another. Just like nah, the situation, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I how, I how can you have can how can you have a group of people that. saying that women's rights are the most important thing in the world, and those same people saying, well, there could be transsexual swimmers? That's a complete contradiction. Well, it's a swarm that's fed by media I'm popularity. I'm, I'm trying not, my best not to get into that. <laughs> That kind but of this right now, we you know, can really believe the media I, I, I is anointed Zelensky as a demigod, and he's not. He's no different than any other politician, even my local mayor. They're all dirty. They all have agenda. They all have their own pockets to fill. They don't care about people. They don't care about constituents. There's a bigger game plan always at play. Everybody is guilty. Everybody's sure tails are dirty. Nobody's clear in this. You, you got we to haven't even discussed. We haven't even discussed globalism, about the, yeah, about the globalization, and and I hear it, but let's be very clear that there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's one more than one way to globalize. So if you have uh, America as a hegemon um, and people saying you know America's being more globalist or, or more or globalizing the world, there's a Belt and Road Initiative from China that's doing the exact same thing from their perspective. So we're not we're not going to see a non-globalized world. It's just a matter of who's, is it going to be the renminbi, which is pegged to the U.S. dollar right now, because if it free floats, it'll fall to pieces. Why would it fall to pieces? Because China's got over $40 trillion of internal debt that it has to manage somehow. Yeah, but are you, are you familiar Excuse me, are you familiar with China's dual currency and how it actually works? I am familiar with it. I'm also familiar with the fact that, uh, and I, I'm a big fan of BRICS, by the way. I'm a big fan of Brazil and uh, South Africa and China and, and, and India working together. I'm a big fan of an alternative currency. I'm very much familiar with the dual currency. But I'm also familiar with the fact that one form of globalization versus another form is still globalization. I'm also familiar with exactly. the fact, and, and this is exactly. part of the problem that, that you're, you're bringing out, Jack, that I think is, is relevant. It's not so much that every politician is dirty or every politician has an agenda that we can't see. It is that the people are not seeing their priorities met. 
by the people that they say are they want elected as their leader, as their representative, more importantly. If we don't have representative government, we will find ourselves in the same cycle over and over again. Representative government means literally that what you say you will do, we elect you to do, as our representative, you do. Having third and fourth ulterior motives is going to continue creating problems that look like Russia versus Ukraine, that look like my local quick. mayor will Let not fill in the pothole. Those are all the problems that we're seeing, and you can't Emil, let, Emil, let me jump in. Emil, let me jump in, brother. Let me jump sure. in real quick, brother. I'm going to go to Tennyson, and I'm going to go to Jack. So just so I hear you, Emil, as well, um, but I'm going to, as I listen to you, I'm going to highlight a little bit of what Shelly mentioned. So I don't know that there's, there's ever been a time in history that humans have not done by nature what even Jack and them are correctly laying out, correctly laying out that I'm talking about just in the sense that, that the leaders in a sense are not representative. I, so I don't know that we've ever had a time in history where that's happened. I'm not saying we shouldn't aim for it. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just highlighting that if it's simply just truly man's nature, I don't know what I'm hearing you say is ever going to be the case. I, don't, I hope you understand why I'm – and, again, I'm not trying to go against you. I'm just pointing out that while I think you're correct in what you're saying, I just don't know we've ever experienced what you're saying in human history. Um, go ahead and finish, and then I'm going to go to tennis and then back to Jack, and then we'll let Shelly come after that. I'm not willing to dismiss the fact that the people who elect the representatives can have their voices heard properly. I'm not willing to dismiss the fact that Ukrainians picked Zelensky to represent them, and right now he's doing the best job he can using whatever means available to defend his nation. I'm, I'm, I'm much more frustrated with Russia in one, in one very specific respect that they've had the same leader for the past 20-plus years. And that, to me, tells me something about the society. It tells me that they're okay with one person being in charge because of, and we can go back to Zara's history, we can go back to before Zara's history, and there was a very, there's a very salient reason why that may be true. But the point is that if the people are not heard, then people will start and in conflict based on what they believe is best for themselves and not for the people they represent. And this is the fundamental problem that we're going to have to deal with as more and more people. I, do, I disagree with Jack that we're, we're living. I believe people have access to more information than ever, even if some of that manip, uh, information is manipulated. But as more people like himself, like me, like Shelley, like Tennyson, get informed, we can see that there's a different game afoot. And we're going to be the ones through form, forms like this one that are going to articulate that these different games are not working for the people. And I don't think Russia right now is feeling very well represented by Putin because 15,000-plus troops have, have perished. They've lost at least three ships, and they're still not getting what they said that he wanted from the conflict. Uh, let's go to Tennyson, then to um, Jack. Well, I will say this: the 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 German. Well, <laughs> it, it is a problem for being in power for that many years. Twenty was it something like twenty-two years? At one time, he could not run again, so he had uh, Meldedev to, to to represent him, so he, to hold a position, so he could come back in place again. It is a big problem. We know that it's not fair election. 
We see what he has done to the opposition. And the opposition right now is in jail. He poisoned the guy. The guy almost died. And, you know, so we, it's not, we, we, come on, let's not even go there. A lot of us here on this line, we may not be, admit it, but we are here speaking in favor of Russia because, you know, we know that Trump likes Russia. And the fact is, it is important when we talk about the ballistic missile, missile where we pulled out of it. It was Trump that pulled out of it. He, is, he, is, he couldn't even praise Putin enough. He even praised Putin that, hey, it was a great thing that you, it was brilliant that you went into Ukraine. I mean, come on. Uh, an independent country, you're telling somebody it's, it was good that you went in, inside of it. So with the gentleman said earlier about the corruption that was taking place in Ukraine, and he, you're absolutely right, but remember again, the, 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 the corruption is a result of Viktor Yanukovych, who fled to Russia. And so that's how Zelensky came into power again, because he campaigned on getting corruption out. Now, am I going to say Zelensky is clean all the way? Absolutely not. And the unfortunate thing, with very few politicians around the world are like that, but we as the people got to hold them accountable. When something happens, we've got to stop saying, oh, it's because he's a Republican uh, president or he's a Democrat president that I'm not going to hold this person accountable. Absolutely not. We've got to get away from that. So let me say this before I go to Jack real quick, just a thought. Um, I'll say, um, I think most of y'all know, I, I make a, as big an effort as I can to, in a sense, be an independent, and I'm not trying to get heavy into politics. But I wanted to just highlight that before I say this to you, um, um, uh, Tennyson. Um, I'll say I haven't heard the favor of Russian on this call today. Again, I, I respect that you have. I'm not telling you wrong, but I'm just saying, you know, that's not what I've heard. I've heard presented just the concept of here's what you're not hearing in the media. The media's propagating one way. And when I hear Shelley say, ask the question why, I don't hear that as a leaning. He's just saying, hey, if I hear propaganda for one side, there's probably something that's being missed in this. And I hear curious minds to a degree saying, hey, what's going on here? And then I hear Jack, who obviously lays out a lot of the economics, if you will, clearly starting to point to some of the economic issues there or whatever. But I don't hear uh, in favor uh, 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 of Russia thing because I've heard them clearly say, um, we just understand the human nature of it, but they're not even saying they're in agreement with what, what he's done either way. And the last thing I'll say to you is um, Neil also brilliantly pointed out that really what country will ever be in the position to hold anybody accountable. We really do, from, from, a, from a, in a sense, right and wrong standpoint, the accountability that's being held is probably just due to our own U.S. interests, whatever they are, and I think I'm hearing everybody on the line say it's hard for us to just divide, understand or devise what the interests actually are because those in power are not always going to share that with us. Go ahead, Jack. Well, I mean, well I let think me say that... this real quick. And sorry, sorry about that, Jack. I want oh, go to ahead, say this real go ahead, quick why I said why yes, I said what I said, and I apologize for that, Jack. Okay. Is that when you go and you're praising Tucker Carson from Fox News, who is nothing but a puppet? Of the Russian no media, one praised him, though. That's not fair uh, to the well, conversation no, let me, today. Let me, 
But I'm saying, but no one prays well, above well, your points. I'm, just, I'm cutting because it's not well, fair to say that anyone prays. Jelly literally opened saying, to please to be devoid of whether you care for him or not. He spoke to the action that happened. So at least to put the context correctly, there was no praise for Tucker Carson on the show today, on, on this discussion today. So I still don't let you respond, but I can't let you incorrectly state something that didn't happen on the dialogue today to make your response. Well, well, if so this, respond knowing that there was no than, favor put on Tucker Carson. It was used as an example. Well, if this, if this, if this speak volume, and I'll make it short, if this speak better for you than uh, Montoya, I will say they have spoken favorably of what Tucker Carson has done in the past. And all I've heard from Tucker Carson, and he had to come back recently and apologize. When, I'm for saying, the when, that, did he, that happen on this show, or are you saying some other thing? Because it didn't happen today. No. So I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble with you I'm, putting something in context that didn't happen today. There was well, nobody was trying to explain to Tucker Carson today. So I'm asking, are you saying to be, it's been done to the show? I was trying to explain myself, but I'm going to let Jack finish because it's not fair for him because I'm trying to explain, but you're not letting me do it. But go ahead, Jack. Well, I'm, yeah, but do you, real quick, I'll let Jack go. Are you saying somebody spoke in favor of Tucker Carson today? Because that didn't happen on the show. Well, we can agree to disagree, yes. I was saying on this show, yes. Okay. But I will, will Okay, all right, here, before I go to Jack, before we go to Jack, Am I wrong, Shelly, in that I did not hear you speak in favor of Tucker? I want to let, let's go ahead and address this since we're having it, that discussion right now. Shelly, you're the one that brought up Tucker Carson. I heard you to try your best to clarify that what you, were, you were using it as an example. But the example was not to be in favor or in disfavor of Tucker Carson is how I heard you deliver it. Am I wrong in that? And, and I'm cool with letting that be addressed right now because I, I don't want to just skip past that. I just didn't hear that on the show today. Shelly, am I wrong in how I heard you today? Shelly, you're probably on mute. Shelly, you may be mute again. Yeah. Or he actually, his phone just dropped, unfortunately. All right, let's let Jack go, and we'll have, when Shelly jumps back on, we'll jump back to um, Jack, again, now let's kind of move to the bigger context versus the Tucker Carson part. I just wanted to them address that directly if we could. But um, just a bigger context of what I was challenging Tennyson with was just from the standpoint of um, I haven't, in a, her, in a sense, heard a favor from anybody being in favor of anything, just being honest about the fact that nobody, the media is not going to give us the facts. And what I challenged the mill on, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, was it's not that any information I'm hearing is, I think you're also pointing out the people are not getting served. So I, I hear that too. I don't think we're conceding that because these leaders do this, that the people are, are getting served. However, I think there's never been a point in human history where leaders have not done some example of what we're fretting about. Um, your thoughts on that context, if you don't mind, on, on that. Um, I think the media is taking it upon themselves to divide into two camps. So you're never going to get a proper story from either side at any time. Um, I don't watch the news at all. And there's a specific reason why I don't do it because they're both, both sides are tainted and they make no sense. Um, as far as I just want to touch on something real quick about Putin being, you know, president for life. I think Zelensky's got a problem with the opposition party as well. Um, don't be too sure that they're going to allow this wonderfully democratic, beautiful voting process to go down in Ukraine either. 
um, like I said, I mean, the world doesn't find it interesting, but I do that we didn't care as much about the annexing of Crimea as we do about the invasion of Ukraine. Um, we didn't care about Ukraine dropping bombs on Donbass and Crimea for the past couple years almost daily. Nobody's bothered to talk about that. Um, again, that's not a pro-Russia statement. That's just facts that are left out of the equation. You know, how we got here, um, I guess Emil's probably right. You know, it's a thousand years old, a billion years old, and a multitude of things led up to it. And unless we live in a country, um, regardless of what type of training we have or upbringing we have or intellect we have, it's virtually impossible to know the real story unless we've been historically involved as citizens of a country, whether that's Afghanistan, Palestine, Israel, Russia, Ukraine, you know, Brooklyn, you know, whatever. Um, we have to be there to really understand it. I don't think the public has been fed proper data across the board. This is not the first instance of this. Um, like I said, you know, and I started my conversation with Zelensky as Fauci 2.0. Fauci was wrong about everything. And you've seen he's been recently pushed to the sidelines and pushed into the closet. So everybody went, you know, where's their God Fauci? Nobody even questions the fact that he disappeared. And Zelensky's now been pushed into this unbelievable warrior hero. Maybe he is. You know, I'm, I'm very ambiguous on how I look at this entire thing. Is Putin a thousand percent wrong for invading the country? Maybe. Is Putin a thousand percent right for protecting his own interests? Maybe. Um, there's too many variables involved to really put a finger on it. But I think there is a movement going on that probably started during the Trump era where Russia, Russia, Russia came to the forefront. So even if Putin, let's just say in the bizarre possibility that he was Mother Teresa, he still couldn't be because the anti-Russian sentiment has been perpetrated for the past five years so heavily, um, even more than during the Cold War. I remember, I, you know, I'm 63, so I remember those times. You know, we always did see the Russians as enemies, but it wasn't this hate-filled Russia, Russia, Russia thing. So that, I think, plays into this as well. There's a lot of moving parts. But what I think, if it's pushed a little bit too hard, you know, and, and Montoya, you keep kind of referring to this, and it's really true. If you box somebody in the corner and push them too hard in the corner, they're either going to crumble or they're going to attack the shit out of you. So if, if everybody pushes a little too hard on Putin, who knows what he's actually capable of doing? Um, I don't think Biden making the statements that he did helps this matter at all. But it's very, very clear that there's a European, let's say, conversation going on with the U.S. of how do we remove Putin. And, you know, again, I think Emil brought this up as well. We've been involved in so many things that we, do we belong in Vietnam? I mean, there's a million conversations we could have. It, it goes back to the pot call and the kettle black. You know, we're, we're not a pristine country void of any uh, bad doings or criminal activities that we can point at any other country that we do all the time. 
So where this le- we we better hope this doesn't lead to World War III because it could. We better hope that there's a solution to it rather quickly. Um, I think part of the problem is like I'll go back to Putin didn't expect this swarming of the bees. And I think that Zelensky is gaining too much confidence because of the swarming of the bees. So that's a big problem because you got one guy who's growing on a big sack of chutzpah against another guy who may resort to drastic measures. So neither of those things are going to really help solve this. Um, but getting too aggressive is not the answer. And like I said, this minor thing with the pension funds in New York is just one example of economic warfare and we're going to put sanctions on them, watch what they're going to do with us. Um, it can get really testy on a lot of different levels. And I also have to believe that part of this, um, everybody's going, thanks, Putin, for the gas prices. Well, those gas prices were a problem before Putin. You know, we're not going to get into politics. But a lot of this really serves as a great, uh, not excuse, but cover-up for a lot of ineptness on the current administration's part. Blame Russia, blame Putin. Yeah, let me, sure, jump, in, let me jump in there. Let me jump in right there. Let me jump in right there, which is pretty normal, right? Anytime conflict happens, if it can, you know, highlight or be taken away from things that are not going well, in the, yep. you know, every leader does that. So I know you're not saying anything any different than that, but I wanted to segue with a little bit of time we have left. I want to, you know, well, I think we've done real good on just kind of laying out the details of what happens while we're here. So I wanted to go into some other, in a sense, pop culture thoughts about this whole conflict. For example, speaking of the economics, uh, there's this concept, and I was really interested in hearing each of your thoughts on this concept. Uh, there's, to a degree, sometimes people in the American public will say, why do they have all this money for war? And it's always plotted up against, you know, maybe things that within our own country that there seems to be trouble for having financing or money for. So when, you know, when this dialogue happens and there's a quote unquote, a lot of money cut to assist, um, whether it be Ukrainians that are stepping, you know, going outside, you know, being uh, refugees and things of that nature, or just even money to assist the, um, the, the allies, if you want to call them allies in this conflict, Americans quite often will say, why is there this money for war? So I'm very interested in y'all answer to that because people who ask that question, you know, even if I'll say even myself included, we always don't understand what the difference is or why that happens. Because, because war is a great ROI. War is a great return on investment. There's always money to be made out of war. So, you know, investing in war makes you money. And it creates a lot of fear. I mean, oh, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I think it, it creates a lot of uh, fear. I mean, you can fr- wait. Listen, you fr- people will do anything to hold, take Congress, for example. They'll do nickel and dime everything. Right now, we didn't have enough money for to fight this pandemic. We don't. We literally don't have any money right now. Um, they end up stripping that from the from the from the bill, the the, the spending bill. Uh, but you, you say something war, and all you have to do is create fear, and people will respond to it. And, and, and I will say this to Jack. You said, you know, about you not bringing the politics. You already brought the politics in when you start talking about Fauci. But uh, I will say he's doing a great job, and I still hear about it. So, so he hasn't disappeared. And guess what? You're going to hear more about it because don't be surprised if we see this. This thing is not over, this pandemic. 
You know what? You and I can I have a personal conversation all, on this. I don't. I definitely don't. I definitely want to stay out of that space. I, I, I will. I will just highlight that the bigger point Jack was making the similarities of how now we see Zelensky on TV every day. He's real focused on how the media does things. That that's the bigger play. I definitely understand. Yeah, I understand that you're considering that a political thought. He's just making the analogy, and, and you know, and I don't care if you feel like I'm defending it. I'm highlighting his bigger point because he wasn't making a political statement by by comparing the analogy. Yeah, the but analogy it was a one time equal. thing. I mean, he brought it up go ahead, several go ahead, times. Sister. That's why I brought. Why did I, that's why I responded just, to him because it's he brought it up several closer, times. But it's the best analogy for people to understand Zelensky mm. as we see it publicly mm. on TV. Like it's it's literally what we just have to see happen over two years, and now it's literally the same blueprint for Zelensky to now have Sean Penn saying we're boycotting the Oscar. He's just highlighting how the fervor of the media, of the political zealots, and how the play is the exact same. Whether you agree with Fauci or agree with Zelensky or disagree with either of them, obviously threw in his opinion that, you know, he feels like Fauci messed everything up. That was the first political thought of the whole show, I thought. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, well, I will say I will say I, 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 I don't agree with Sean Penn, but I know where he's coming from because he went to Ukraine and he had to fled to Poland when the war started. He went there to, to, to try to make a documentary. I don't agree with him, but, yeah, I know where right. he's coming I, yeah, I, I won't say out of that the, detail. The, I, he has met the president. No, that's fair. I want, to, I want to get into just that pop thought of there's money for war. You said create fear. Emil, your thoughts on... The, the, in a sense, the, us as citizens who will, quite, who will look at situations, like even Tennyson just mentioned, they cut the money out for the pandemic, but there's money for war. Now, when I hear Jack say there's a return on OI, this is what it makes me think when, you know, now that I hear that thought, it makes me think, okay, well, the, the reason there's less money for, if you, you know, if we'll say for the pandemic, the example that Tennyson gave is there's probably, there's, there's really no return on, no ROI on that. So maybe that's the reason as I hear Jack present the ROI is part of the reason why we see money for war versus other needs within a country. Your thoughts, again, that was just a thought that popped in my head when he mentioned that as, any, as his, as the reason why we see the difference. Your thoughts, Emil. So America has a problem with black versus white, and I don't mean the color of the people within it. I'm talking about that there's a nuance in America that most Americans cannot or will not or choose not to take time to understand. The nuance is to solve a problem domestically, it takes time and resources over time, right? You have to invest repeatedly because you're talking about social conditions and social problems that have persisted for decades. With a war, it's black and white. Bad guy, good guy, support the good guy, bad guy loses. It's very simple. So now you can easily garner votes if you're a senator or a representative that says, here's the very black and white thing I'm going to do to support the good guy. If, if, to Jack's point, the good guy's framed in the, in the media. To my point, um, we're not savvy enough to digest media snippets because I do not watch uh, televised news either. I only read news, and I try to read news from across the world so I understand what people not America say. But what's more important is that you have a very simple way of solving the problem. That's why the Defense Department is so big, because it's easy to be strong on defense and spend $750 billion a year on a Defense Department that never has to literally defend the homeland. There is a very simple solution in front of people 
Bad guy, good guy, give good guy money, bad guy loses. It's it, I I guarantee you, it's not much more complex than that in my in my calculus. Right. Because now they get their votes, they get all of their sponsors, they get all the people who are supporting them financially because they they took a stand on something that was black and white simple. Now it makes sense for anybody out there that's ever asked that question. Why? I think you've heard somewhat of an answer, maybe give you something to think about. Um, they definitely gave me something to think about. Um, in this last 10 minutes, we're going to, you know, shut this off in about 10 minutes. Again, I'm just kind of going through some pop culture aspects. I think we did a good job of just giving various perspectives and viewpoints on the actual conflict itself. Here's one. Um, again, we, for, you know, the Men of Our Community Club, we are pride ourselves in being able to do hard conversations on race, sex, and culture uh, within, the, you know, specifically the African-American community. So I wanted to bring a racial aspect just because this is being um, sent around the media. Um, Shelly had to go to an event. He just texted me. So I hate that he missed this because I've seen him highlight this. So I wanted to share a few thoughts from something that's floating on social media just to get each of your perspective. Again, I hate I missed Shelly's perspective on this. But um, there's a, a picture that I keep seeing floating on Facebook with um, Putin and the big, the big dog that's jumping up, and this is the um, context that I hear with it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just enough to give the context uh, from uh, specifically an African-American viewpoint. I think, um, you know, myself being in the military, Emil, both of us haven't been in the Air Force, um, there's always, a, in a sense, a dilemma for a lot of people in the African-American community on how we see war and things of this nature. So this is what's been floating, and again, I'd be very interested in hearing some of y'all thoughts. Russia never had black slaves, nor did Russia create a market to trade black people. Russia never participated in the Berlin Conference to share Africa like some pieces of goat meat. Russia never colonized, underdeveloped, and looted African resources. Russia never enabled a safety net for African leaders to hide stolen funds, use those stolen funds to develop itself, and then grant the same funds back to Africa as a loan. Russia never invaded and destabilized any African country. Um, and it says some other things here. But in pointing that out, um, Russia has a long history, in, even in the early 20s, 1920s, 1930s, from what I – me being a quasi – I'll say quasi-historian, not even a semi-historian, if you will, um, but loving history to a degree. Russia has a long history of playing to the propaganda, and quite often when you think of like black liberation, if you think of Black Panthers and things of that nature, quite often remember when we, had the, when we first had the big um, communists – and you know the what the red wave and all that kind of concern a lot of black liberation uh, liberators if you will in this country quite often they would attach them to that movement but from what i understand quite often russian operatives would reach out to them to fan to fan those flames kind of a, to create if you will an enemy within so i i think i saw shelley relate uh, mentioned that what I just read was some version of Russia propaganda, the play to, in a sense, the conflict that a lot of us as black Americans sometimes struggle with as citizens of this country. So I know I said a lot there, um, but Emil, I'll be interested in your thoughts of how do we equate as African Americans? Should we even care? Because when we float this type of propaganda around, right? Now I'm talking about the right or wrong of it. I'm just talking about the actual what the propaganda does to a lot of us. When we float this around, it makes a lot of African Americans say, "Why should we even care?" And that's partly due to our detachment 
of the country. Your thoughts on who do we care and how you feel about this propaganda, if you will. Sure. Um, in my opinion, we shouldn't care, but not because Russia is innocent of meddling in African and African-American affairs, but because if Russia invades Ukraine successfully and Ukraine is now a, um, a state controlled by Russia, will black people in America be more free? If Ukraine maintains its independence, will black people in America be more free? The answer is no on both, so we shouldn't care. And I've painted that way on purpose because we we keep being told that we should care about something when our struggle in this nation is going overlooked and underutilized, under under resourced. Our struggle in this nation continues to be that there's opportunities to um, make this nation a much more vibrant, much more egalitarian much more, uh, much wealthier nation if we can overcome the things that stop black people from being completely free as citizens of this nation. So until those things are effective or until Sierra Leone or the Central African Republic invades the United States, black people really shouldn't care much, and it will be the same as it was before. We will be asked to support the nation. We will do so because we are loyal citizens, and then we will be overlooked when it's all said and done. And so until our needs are met in this country for a war like this, honestly, we probably shouldn't care. And the propaganda that, I mean, I could refute that propaganda all day long with Angola, Mozambique, and other places in in Africa and what you just said about the civil rights movement and places in South South America, we can continue to have this discussion that Russia, as the Soviet Union and as Russia, has not been innocent and has not been simply a um, a, uh, player, American hegemony. But that's not the issue. The issue to me is do black people feel or get more freedom from one side winning this conflict or another? If the answer is no, then we shouldn't care that much. Got you, Tennyson. Your thoughts on all of that? Just wanted to say, just wanted to. We don't have a lot of time, so I'm just wanting to at least touch on that pop that that, that concept because again, I see it floating within the community. Your thoughts on either what Emil had to say, or just your thoughts in general? Well, uh, I would say uh, it's a fair question. It's a good question, but to to make a quick correction, the Berlin Conference, uh, whoever whoever uh, came up with this whatever, I'm not sure the, the, the purpose of it, they're incorrect about the Berlin Conference. And, 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 and I assume they're talking about the Berlin Conference of 1884. Russia was at the Berlin Conference. So no, they were wrong about that. However, I don't think, I think it's foolish to make that kind of propaganda argument. And here's why I think it is such a ignorant way, ignorant way to look at it. You remember when, when the U.S., was getting ready to invade Iraq. And even when the U.S. went in Iraq, France said, no, there are no weapons of mass destruction, and we are not going to back the U.S. A lot of people are surprised because France, because a lot of people are using the conversation, well, when you were invaded by the Nazis in 1940, we came to your aid and we liberated France from the Nazis. Well, that's, you, you cannot use something that happened 60, 80 years ago to make a relevant statement to say, no, we should stand by you. 
And so even if everything the person said, what you read about is true, that doesn't mean, is this, that's not the same Russia that, they were, that we had 20, 40, 50, that we had 40, 60, 80 years ago. It's a different Russia now. And so you have to be able to, willing to stand up for justice. When a country decides they're going to go in another country, an independent country, the same way we should have, a lot more people should have stood up when we went into Iraq. That's where, we should, we should, that's, that's where we're supposed to be right now. Not, be, not thinking about something that happened 40 and 80 years ago. Unless it was the same Russia, then you would have had an, a conversation, a good conversation to back up your claim. Now, I love this. I'm going to get Jack's thoughts on this as well real quick before we go. But I love what you're saying right here, Tennyson, because here's the challenge to anybody listening. I brought this up just to give context for how to even think about these things. Um, just as Tennyson pointed out, based on his knowledge base, as, as this is laid out, quite often we'll see these type of things floating around. We won't do the research to find out if it's accurate. Tennyson points out that it's not accurate. The reason we call it propaganda because it is, and we're just challenging you to be aware of propaganda. And the concept that I love that Tennyson laid out is to don't allow someone to propagandize you by laying an old history that has nothing to do with current relevance, which is his bigger point. It, it doesn't make sense, but we accept this, this way of thinking online. That's why I brought it up, just so that y'all can hear how these beautiful how these thinkers think about something like that. They don't receive it as is, and nor should you if you are listening or watching and becoming part of the mean culture. Um Jack, your thoughts, um just any thoughts that, that stand out to you yeah. in reference to this last conversation. Go ahead, bro. Well, you know, we've become this really odd culture of I don't want to call it intellectual laziness, but I'll call it intellectual laziness. How many times have you been on Facebook or, and, and somebody says, does anybody know the, the ball game score? You're on the Internet. Why would you ask that? <laughs> yeah, and I've seen that many, many yeah. times. It's like, does anybody know the score? Well, mm. all you got to do is go to another URL. So that's literally how lazy we've become intellectually. True. So to get into a situation where people want to disseminate, you know, like the IQ on this call is infinitely higher than the common IQ. Um, and we, everybody on here, whether they agree or disagree, does research, you know, looks to try to yeah. find a truth, maybe not the truth, right? But something that we can mm -hmm. feel is our truth, Right without being peppered by propaganda. or And I don't just say propaganda is country to country or a wartime weapon. You know, propaganda is, is a constant thing. Absolutely. Um, we're being pushed and we're being pulled and manipulated to, to believe what, you know, Big Brother wants us to believe. It's a very, very strange time that I never thought would happen. I mean, it was interesting when Elon Musk said yesterday that he's thinking of building a, 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 an alternate to Twitter that allows free speech. Um, you know, it's, and it's interesting what he did. You know, he said, <clears throat> we are not in a time as far as how does this war affect black America? I agree with that. doesn't matter either way. We're still going to have a racist country. It's still going to take generations to fix the problem. Um, 
how does it affect black or white or green America? Well, if we start to really fall to a really bad economic problem, I think it affects everybody. Um, exactly. I'm not sure that we're, we're too quick to jump on things as a people, not even politically, but as a people without doing any research at all, it's almost like joining the gang you wish you belonged to when you were a kid, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you didn't, you weren't part of the gang, you weren't picked to be in the, on the softball team cool gym class, you know, and all of a sudden now you can raise your hand and say, yeah! And if you sat down with somebody for five seconds, I do this on my Facebook all the time. I'm like, are, and I say this to my friends, are you really this stupid? Do you really not care about anything? You know, just do a little bit of research. I don't know. I, I still take the stand of, I don't know if Ukraine's right. I don't know if Russia's right. Somewhere between two points lies the truth. The only thing that is right is we can't escalate this into a world war. That's the only thing that is right. The rest yeah, of I it, think we would all end up agreeing with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. to close this thing out. Um, I think it's fair. I think it's fair that, um, and I would offer that even the dialogue we're having, it, it it takes more. And again, it's not that the whole world is not doing that. There's plenty of smart people on this. I think it's, and I, I'm just saying that people that are having these type of dialogues will be the ones that, if we're going to avoid World War Three, if you will, it's going to take a lot of people who dig a little deeper and think on this level because we're watching people that are in position sometimes seemingly not think things through. I think that's a fair thought that I don't think any of us would disagree with, whether we agree with one another or not. But thank you all so much for this wrap-up. Um, I just wanted to create some important content that, you know, hopefully people can that are willing to take it in will just get a better perspective and, again, avoid the mean culture. And so I thank all of you. All of you were excellent and appreciate you all. We're going to go ahead and close this thing out. And as um, soon as I have it set up to download, I will share it with you and I can share it with your friends. But thank each of you. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, being part of it. Put it together. Yeah, thank you. And My I pleasure. Thank I, you I, I learn a lot from you guys, too. Yeah, thank Listen, you. Lots of smarts on this call. I always appreciate that. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. learned from you guys. All right, enjoy your day. Be well. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers, all. All right, you take care. All right, see you all next Saturday for the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This was a random, commercial-free, thoughtful rant, 019. We're out.